You're listening to the Football Street Podcast, the show where we discuss the beautiful game every weekend and get reactions from other fans all around the world. Hello guys, welcome to Football Street. I'm your host, Mohamed Amin, and today we have Najib, a Chelsea fan, and Abdul Hosh making a return. He's a Manchester United fan, here to talk about the FA Cup quarterfinal. We're going to start with Wolves against Manchester United. Uh, Hosh, the game that you wanted a few weeks back uh, ended 2-1. Uh, Wolves will go through to the semi-final. Tell me a little bit about the game. Thank you, bro. Yeah, basically, the game was... um, The game plan we set up didn't suit us the way we started the game. And some of the players looked tired and they weren't enthusiastic with the ball. And especially like Herrera, Lingard, Martial, all of them came back from injury. So they weren't fully fit as well. And the system we played, we couldn't, like, we set up to stop their counter. That's how the system was set up to play. And we, when we had the ball, we had, like, 60 ball possession. We couldn't do anything with it, passing sideways, backwards. We barely had a shot on target. I think we had one shot on target the whole game. Other than the goal, that's it. Like, we couldn't do anything with the ball. And I think we've done well in the games that, away from home, the bigger teams where we've put the pressure, hit them on the break with Rashford's pace. We've done well in those games, but we struggled at home against smaller teams. And like, for example, that away game is Wolves. When they give you the ball and they say, do what you want, we can't open mm-hmm. them up. That's our problem. Yeah. And also we have Herrera there and Matic, but they're not controlling tempo playmakers like Verratti, Cruz, those kind of midfielders. So they cannot like control the game. And the Pogba has to come deep just to get the ball and spray yeah. it wide. So you can't, they can't do anything about that. And Wolves, to be honest, you have to give them credit because they were the team that I was scared of, mainly other than City. And they've done well against the top six teams this season. And they're probably the best championship team that's big, that's come up in recent years. In recent years, yeah. So they're very good, bro. Yeah, they they, they look comfortable throughout the, the whole match. And actually, like people like Smalling were put under pressure a couple of times. Uh, for the first chance in the first half, uh, Jota was his name. Uh, he, he had a really good chance coming out of uh, Manchester United possession as well. So it seems like a team that is well organized in midfield with uh, Ruben Neves and them. So Najib, I want to ask you, um, in the game against uh, Wolves recently, uh, how was it different? Uh, how was the setup for Manchester United yesterday different from how Chelsea set up and how both games ended? Thanks, man. Uh, honestly, listen, everybody looks at Wolves and they know how they play. They sit back, they absorb, and then hit you on the counts. Yeah. Everybody knows they got very good technical players in Moutinho and yeah. Jota and all these players. They're actually decent on the ball. They don't really worry about it. The ability to pick a ball up and like turn around and make a pass even get what can I say like they even accept passes in like little square and then just carry yeah. on and play the game forward but then when you look at it I was set up was like we was playing at home there's a big difference between United, United were playing an away game we were playing yeah. at home the onus was on us to actually put pressure on the teams above us because we are going for a top four spot so yeah. we are possession based team under Sarri we had like 60-70% of possession Wolves are happy to just sit back and just absorb because there's no cut and thrust in our game at all. The ball never gets crossed. If it's crossed, rarely. Aspili Do you know what I mean? Not the most yeah. technical player ever. On the left side, don't even mention it. Alonso is just out of it because he's the farthest man ahead in the box sometimes, ahead of the strikers. So I think yeah. our whole setup was all right. But then again, Sarri doesn't have players at his disposal to actually bring up and change the game, Kovacic, Loftus-Cheek just about all right, you know, Hudson-Odoi, not up to speed as well, so I think our setup was completely different, United, when I watched the game last night, almost identical as well, Wolves were just happy to sit back, accept it, turn around and spin, you know, with us it was like a proper smash and grab, yes. the way I accept it, but last night it was slightly different, when they actually scored the first goal, they had some sort of a belief they could actually come out and play a bit more against United, then yeah. it gets tricky from there, but you have to give credit to Wolves, like I said, man. 
Yeah. Wolves are like a very, very decent proposition, man. They can turn anyone over at any given day. Seriously. Amazing. Amazing yeah. team, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what is uh, Manchester United's uh, top priority right now uh, after they exited the FA Cup? Is it the Champions League winning it or uh, getting into the next season's Champions League? I would say getting into the top four next season is the main priority. I think... And if I would say against Barcelona, we're probably going to get knocked out. We're going to try our best, obviously. If we keep a clean sheet at home, anything can happen away from home. But then you got that guy, Messi, and you know what he can do against any defence in the world. So that's the difficult task that we have. But I don't have any hope of going through anyway. So I think the main aim is to finish top four. I would have loved to add the FA Cup to that, but it's not, it's not going to happen now. So... I think you have to give Ole credit because what he's done at the club so far, like like making up 11 points to the top four that we were out of it by December, yeah. making that ground up and now we have a chance of making it, finishing third or fourth. So I think our main aim is to finish the next season top four to attract like big names. That's the main aim. All right. So transitioning to uh, Swansea against Manchester City, uh, we're going to talk about Lindelof. So Lindelof's red card was called back by VAR. Uh but the Manchester City game, it did not apply. Uh, so do you see any bias from the FA towards Manchester City? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Because what they were saying was apparently there was no VAR because Swansea is not a Premier League ground and they only have it in the Premier League grounds in the FA Cup. So that was the reason. But if it was a home game, yeah, at Etihad, it would have had VAR. That's what they said. So I don't know how that worked out. With this, with these new rules, but that, yeah. that, that's what they said. So I feel like even if there was VAR, eventually City would have would have won that game anyway. So no complaints yeah. about that. True. Yeah, I think Sterling Guerra came on second half, so you you yeah. you, you saw that the game was going to get changed no matter what. Yeah, but to be honest, uh, the game did change uh, because of uh, like uh, bad decisions from the refs, uh, which is becoming a current issue with uh, a theme. In the uh, for Manchester City, uh, people say Liverpool are being favored, but I do feel City is uh, the team that is favored a lot in, especially in the last four Premier League matches. Do you guys see a pattern there? Actually, you know what? This I referees and contentious decisions and stuff like this. I mean, you win some, you lose some. At the end of the day, you get yeah. rubber to green, or you don't. I mean, yeah. you can win a penalty. This. And then a few games down the line, you'll miss a clear Stonewall penalty. I mean, I'm not for one to talk about refs and whatnot. Sometimes you think that actually there's a bit of prejudice because it's it's constant. Like when you you cannot help but watch City last night and think like, what's going on here? You know, it, it doesn't make sense. That is why as ones are getting punished for this for just somebody's decided they're not a Premier League ground and they shouldn't have VAR down there. That kind of thingy, but. Contentious decisions, um, refereeing. If you take that element out of the game. I mean, it just becomes boring. So, personally, the way I see it, these things even themselves up over the course of the season. It's like, yeah. you know, you get some, you win some, you lose some, you know. It's just, yeah. That's the way I see it, honestly. No, I'm not the one to, like, actually talk about refs or anything like that. I just believe in players who do more. They have it in their ability to do what they need to do. But, like yeah. you said, man, finger pointing, <laughs> nah, not really, no, yeah. it's not on. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be honest, the players did have a good game. Swansea, uh, they started off 2-0 and Manchester City turned it around on them and set up themselves for an easy semi-final. They're going to be facing Brighton and the Wolves are going to be facing Watford. Uh, is this uh, Manchester City's t- uh, FA Cup to lose? Okay, the way I see it is, listen, this is football, man. On paper, everybody knows City are the team to beat. I mean, City are that team who are top pretty much in Europe, pretty much domestically, okay, realistically. Yeah. I've seen City, who are favourites, got turned over by Wigan in a cup final. We all remember yeah. that, one not we? Yeah. I mean, this is the magic of the FA Cup. You know, giant killing is not a myth. It actually exists for a reason. Yeah. And we've seen it happen before. So nothing is given in football, okay? This is Wembley. It's a one-off game. Everybody plays their own cup final. So whoever City will get, they'll be favourites on paper and they will be favourites generally given the squad and the players and the manager and the history they have. Yeah. Given their current form, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about history from back in the day. I'm just talking about yeah. their modern, contemporary form. Yeah. The way I see it is City will be favourites, but whatever team they play, boy, you never know. It's a one-off game and yeah. we can never call it, man. Personally, I would never call it. You know what underdogs are like, wouldn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, is the quadruple on for Manchester City? Guys, what do you think? Are they going to win it all? Very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. I mean, they have the squad, they have the players at their disposal. But then again, as the Champions League trickles on to get into the quarters, the last stages, yeah, the semis, the finals, and that, the bigger teams are here. So, unless, you know, you need a bit of luck. When we won it, we needed all the luck in the world. <laughs> so, I think yeah. City will need all the luck in the world to go for it. League, they're clearly favourites right now. They might trip, trip up here and there. You never know. But they look like favourites. Yeah. Uh, the FA Cup, they're pretty much there. Pretty much there. Like, it's just like like I told you. It's just one of those games that you can never call. It's a, it's a cup it. And pretty much they've got the Carling Cup. So, it's on, but I'm thinking highly unlikely, man. If they do it, Wow, that would be that would be amazing. But in my opinion, I don't think that's a bit difficult. Champions League more 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 often than not. I think that's when they're gonna come up short. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the Premier League. Uh we had uh, Fulham against Liverpool. Uh Liverpool won that two one. Uh the biggest talking point of the game was Van Dijk and Allison's error. Um everyone is milking it. Uh but I personally think uh these things happen throughout the season, uh, but at least it did not cost anything to Liverpool. So what do you guys think of uh, Liverpool's chances for the rest of the season? There's seven games left for them. Um, how many wins do you guys uh, can, they can get in terms of the oppositions they have left? You guys, you've got Tottenham. I think Tottenham is your only top six, right? Team left. So, yes. Okay. Oh, Chelsea, Chelsea as well. And Chelsea. Um, I think Tottenham, you should it's going to be a good game, obviously, because they're going for the top four, top three, and you guys need to win the title. So it's going to be interesting. And yeah. But I feel like majority of the games that you have left, bar Tottenham and Chelsea, you could win all of them. Because on paper, I think it doesn't work like that in the league because you never know. Anything can happen. You never know. Yeah. It's always got points to a smaller team where you have a midweek Champions League and then your players are a bit tired and you could get... They could yeah. they could up for it on the weekend and just like hit you with a few crosses and score a few goals. You never know, or a dodgy penalty in the last minute. You never know in the, in the Premier League, anything can happen. So there are a few like shocking results that have happened recently, like um, Cardiff beat Everton two 0 last week. So you never know what can yes. happen in the yeah. league. So that's the thing. Um, but I feel like on paper you should be you should win most of those games. Um, yeah, the other teams are by the top two. I think the Chelsea game is going to be tricky because they're going for the top four. Yeah. And Hazard has turned up at Anfield a few times recent in in recent memory. Yeah, uh, the last Tottenham two games, yeah. thing as well because they're going for the top three. And yeah, but the rest you should win, I think. Yeah. So Liverpool have uh, Tottenham, uh, Southampton, and then in between the two Porto matches, they have Chelsea. Uh, this is gonna be a big month for Liverpool. Uh, let's move on to Everton against Chelsea. Uh, that ended uh, Everton two, Chelsea nil. Uh, lots of things to talk about here. Uh, Chelsea are going through a run of uh, bad away matches. Is this the the dent in their chances of getting top four? I uh, I think this is a huge dent. Like, um, given the opportunity we had, actually put pressure on these guys. There's one time we had a game in hand, and we we didn't make use of it. We drew at home at Wolves, and then we got away to Everton today when we. There's literally no pressure on us at all. We can actually just put the points on the board, come away with a win. That kind of puts us on a, like, on a good place before we go to the international break. But yeah. that didn't happen again today. So I'm thinking there's a mental block with these players. Once we go one down or two down, even like it's, we start very well in every other game, away game. First 10, 15 minutes, we're in the game. We play very well. And then all of a sudden, we capitulate. Like The home team actually puts up a resistance. We try to play through them, channel fashion, like fashion, fashion, few chances here and there. But then again, when you look at it overall, it's nothing, it's not indecisive. There's no proper cut and thrust in the game. It's just a few sideways passing back to Alonso, Louise, Kepa and whatnot. And then before you know, second second half, the home team comes out and they're thinking, okay, now we've kind of weathered this storm, let's have a go. And that's exactly what Everton game plan was today. All they did was just sit back, absorb, absorb. And then second half, they came out and they were on us. They were really, I'm surprised even like it was just 2-0 because I'm sure if they would have come a bit more, they would have a few more goals. So I'm thinking our issue right now is just playing away from home in the Premier League. It looks shocking. Like players are not performing. 
for some reason, I think it's down to the manager and team selection. But then again, I've seen Sarri actually has adjusted the teams a few times yeah. now. He's actually made a few changes here and there. Not changes, I mean, like, not personnel changes per se, but actually a few tactical tweaks here and there. Yeah. But then again, it's still not working. Yeah. We've lost four in five, like I said, earlier on anyway. So yeah. it's not really working for us right now. And I'm thinking it's not looking good for us given... We have we still have to go to Anfield and go to Old Trafford and play these teams, like play for for the fourth position. I don't think it's really gonna work. You know, I'd have the form lately stuttering a bit. Tottenham they've got Harry Kane, Delali to come back, so I'm thinking they'll just kick on from there and stay where they are. Arsenal are doing well as it is right now. I think our only hope of getting into top, I mean, getting into Champions League would be ideally just to finish to win the Champions just to win the Europa League. Simple as that, really. Yeah, That's just so the only way I see it. Jorginho is always a target for everyone after a Chelsea loss. Uh, do you think Sari is showing too much faith in him? I mean, to be fair, Sari is showing so much faith to so many players and Jorginho is just a safeguard. For starters, I think David Luiz should be nowhere near the first team. Alonso should be dropped because he's off form completely. Jorginho is a skateboard. My understanding of the game is Sarri wants us to play high. You know, if there's turnovers in the game, attack from the front, make the errors at front and have that turnover up front. So you're near to the other team's opposition and just start from there, attack from there. That's why we have Kante there. Okay, playing Kante in a defensive deep midfield line in Sarri's system, it doesn't work because... Everybody presses from the front. So there's no better place to utilize Kante than to play him up front there where he can cause most damage. And Kante is doing very well doing that. Jorginho, however, he's not a defensive midfield type of player. And yeah. I've seen people actually accuse him of saying, ah, he's got 1,001 passes in a game, but no one assists. No, Jorginho plays closer to David Luiz than he plays <laughs> in the other team's box. So yeah. realistically, he's a guy who just recycles the ball. He's meant to just keep it ticking. You know, pass move. He uses other players' movement to play off the ball and just he just recycles it and keeps it moving. So he's not the type of guy who's going to ping a 60-yard pass to Pedro down the other wing or, you know, dribble past six players or come through like Kante and nick a ball from a guy who's about to shoot in the six-yard box. That's not your yeah. genius play. And right now, there's no personnel around him to actually bring the best out of him. So that's why you can see everybody's just like finger pointing and saying Jorginho, Jorginho, Jorginho. Clearly, yeah, Sarri's showing faith in him, like you said. But then again, yeah. there's a reason why Sarri believes in this guy and Sarri has this system. Clearly, it's not working right now. And I can only put that to there's not enough personnel around at Chelsea to understand what, the, what Sarri wants them to do. I'm, I'm thinking. And now that we got this window, man, the, the, the transfer ban, I don't yeah. think it's going to get any easier now. We'll just have to integrate a few youth players or possibly just force these players to play the way they can. Because right now, they're in a very good place. Some of these players are over 30. And they're looking at this as like, yeah, forget Chelsea giving one of your contracts to over 30. We can force it time now. So it's looking yeah. bleak for us in the future. But right now, I think Jorginho is not a problem. Honestly, no. Not for me anyway. Hush, what do you have to say about that, bro? Yeah, I feel like, like Najib said, the away form has been shocking recently. They Bournemouth 4-0, Chelsea City 6-0. They lost to Arsenal 2-0 as well. And now they've lost to um, Everton. I feel like on the road they've struggled. And I feel like, like Najib said, Jorginho's a good player. And he's like, what he does in the team is not to like assist balls or ping the ball for, like Pelo or Xabi Alonso. He's similar in terms of a register, but he's not a guy that plays the ball over the top or stuff like that. He plays between the lines. And he recycles the ball from the centre-backs when they're under pressure, when they're playing out. And he gives it to the full-backs and makes the ball move and he pushes the team further up the pitch. And yeah. also, he lacks that person up in field, like his partnerships and guys in front of him or to the sides. The full-backs are not technically enough, like Alonso and Azblacueta. So it doesn't really work because like when he was at Napoli, his, he had um, Heiser and he had... Um, what's his name? The other guy, the left-back... Um, the, the, the was, is it Tunisian or something? Yeah, I, I know him. And Haisa, he had them two on the side because yeah. you have technical players. They had Allen, they had uh, Zelensky in midfield. So the players are much better in terms of really getting the ball and receiving the ball on the half turn. You got Hamsik as well. So yeah. it was flowing better in that system. So he looked like a better player. And if you put Jorginho in City's team now, he would be a different, completely different player. 
you know. Yeah. So I feel like it's not his fault. It's just uh, like the team, the personnel, and it's not really working with Sari. Like I think some of these players, they're probably frustrated because he, like sometimes that much information affects these players. They can't really take it on board and they're like, we're just confused with this, what he's telling us, do that, do this. Like they feel like it's a simple game. If you attack and create chances, you can score. So, like, when, when we had LVG, it was similar to that, where some of these players, like Rooney and these big players, they didn't like it because they were like, we don't need that much information. At the end of the day, we're quality players. We know what to do on the pitch. We yeah. can get a chance and we can score. So, like, LVG, there was a story about, there were some videos where he used to send to the players individually and told them to watch it, like, analysis of their game and everything. So, what they used to do was, apparently, when you watch the video and, like, play it, if he sends it to you and you don't watch it, he can see so what they used to do was they used to play the video, put it to the side and just carry on with their life. And then when it finishes, they used to put it in the pocket and just like finish it. Like they've seen it. They never oh. used to watch it. So that's why sometimes when there's too much information with him, I feel like he's passing on a lot of message and a lot of analysis, but they're not taking it on board and they don't really understand how he wants to play and what, they, what he wants them to do. They're not doing it to the T at the moment. And Hazard, as good as he is, he's not suited to this kind of system where pass and move and he's not suited to that he wants to get the ball take touches like enjoy himself it's not like it's not gonna work yeah so are you based on what you guys are saying do you think Sari should be given more time because for a coach like this he wants to get in his players and for Sari it's gonna be difficult he's not gonna have a, two transfer windows to do that so do these managers become successful the more they stay with the team or is that a not a good uh, risk to take for Chelsea I feel like with him is you can't sack him because you've got a ban obviously and another manager another big manager won't come in without spending money he'll be like I can't do anything with the squad so yeah. I feel like he hasn't got the technical players to play his system and like he doesn't have those players so it's not going to work and he's going to stay obviously because of the ban but yeah. eventually I think he might fail because not because he's a bad manager but because he doesn't have the money to spend and bring the player plays he needs to fit his system. So it won't work eventually. Because we had LVG, he spent over 200 million and it still didn't work. Yeah. So I feel like it won't work eventually. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen. But he's going to stay obviously for another year or two. Okay. So Zidane, let's talk about Zidane right now. He just came back to Real Madrid. On his first match, uh, made a big statement, uh, won 2 0 and dropped Courtois. Do you think there's going to be a problem between the two? Not really. I feel like um, Zidane, he has the, like, the, the full backing of the, the president. He's done, he's delivered titles before the Champions League, everything. So he can do what he wants. He's been given the keys to the Bernabeu. So I feel like Courtois has, has, has been very poor since he came there. He's conceded a lot of goals in a lot of matches. His leadership qualities are not that good. And Kayla Navas doesn't, I think he doesn't deserve to be dropped when this guy hasn't been performing well. So Zidane made the right call to start Kayla Navas and he brought Isco back in the team as well. He was frozen out for the last few months. So I think, yeah, that's the right call. I think, yeah, definitely. And I heard there was rumours that De Gea, they might come in from De Gea again at the end of the season. So that I don't know where that leaves Kotoko. He might have to leave again after one season. Najib. As a yeah. court, as a fan of Chelsea who's seen Courtois, uh, do you yeah. think he has the right attitude to be in a team like Real Madrid? I mean, the guy is no doubt he's got ability. I mean, he's one of the top keepers out there. Proved in the World Cup, proved in the Chelsea no shot as well. Uh, on his day, he's a very good goalkeeper, hard to beat. But having said that, the guy's way, way, way outspoken. He's got big like he's opinionated sometimes yeah. and he he doesn't really understand the consequences of what he says and how he talks he doesn't really it's not as much he's not a guy of his word put it that way like he would say things and then actually apart from his footballing as a person as an individual characteristically he'll probably have to like he'll struggle on madrid the way i see it people there they like people their players out of the media spotlight playing their football. This guy actually came out the other day and criticized Bill. And I'm thinking, come on, man, that's guy, that's your teammate there. You need to like a bit, you know, muzzle it for a second there. Yeah. Let the guy carry on to do what he do. He came out, he's called the golfer, he doesn't hang out with the team and whatnot. He's always out there. And I'm thinking, mate, just leave it. 
So and then he comes on and he says that and then he doesn't back it up with his performance as well. Concedes a goal from practically almost the halfway line to Ajax. Yeah. And yeah. then El Clasico pretty much and he made a big statement when he said he's going over there to win something. Real Madrid, everybody knows Real Madrid has the chance to win everything, but he didn't actually yeah. back it up. His performances have been poor, like Harsh said. And yeah. Zidane's come in and actually dropped him right now. And Zidane has actually made a statement. And I'm thinking one of the reasons Zidane came back was like Zidane was given a plain piece of paper to write on whatever demands he wants and however he wants to run. Like Harsh said, he's got the yeah. keys to the place, he can do however he sees fit. Yeah. So I think by dropping this guy, He'll just say, listen, mate, you're not good enough. And that's what it is. And Kaylo Navas was dropped on the back of Courtois being signed. Remember, Kaylo Navas was the Champions League winning goalkeeper. Yeah. So just the season started, a new guy got brought in and he got dropped. It wasn't like Kaylo Navas done anything wrong. It's just because we got a new guy in, he's going to go in the team, that kind of thing. Yeah. And Zidane has come in and he's like, hold on, it's not on. Do you know what I mean? We need to change this around right now. This guy is conceding goals and whatnot. We need to change it around. For once, and... Hosh touched on it again. Ali Ron, I was listening to talks for Wardo and they were saying how he's going to come back for the hair again. So, yeah. interesting, interesting times ahead, to be fair. So, yeah. let's just adopt the wait and see. Yeah. I think that's not the approach. So, yeah, Zidane has uh, like two months before the season ends to, and they don't have any uh, competitive match, to be honest. Uh, top four is almost sealed for them. That's all they need to do. Um, for the two months, uh, this is uh, the chance for Zidane to take a look at the squad and see uh, where he wants to take them for the next season. Uh, what directions do you guys think uh, Real Madrid is going to go in terms of players, in terms of playing style? I feel like they will play the same system like Zidane played previously. Yeah. Obviously, Ronaldo's not there because their system was more like was more like they were crossing the ball quite a lot with quality crosses with from Marcelo Carvajal. That was mainly how it was. It was going through that. That was the main way the goals were coming from in the Champions League. But I feel like um, Ronaldo's left now. The Benzema's still doing the job. So I heard that Zidane, he's got 300 million to spend apparently. So uh, yeah. they wanted Kane, but he, he said that um, Kane, with that kind of money that they demanded 200 plus million, is not worth spending most of the money on one player. So they've got Benzema who can do a job, can score 15, 20 goals a season. He's a quality yeah. player, so he's quite underrated as well in Europe. So he can do a good job. So I feel like they will spend money. The guys that they're going to go for, Hazard, Mbappe and Neymar is going to be difficult this season. So Hazard's yeah. going to be the main guy they will probably go for and spend that money on. Bale, Bale is going, they're going to get rid of him because yeah. he's not living up to, to, to his potential. He's not doing anything at the moment. He's struggling. The fans have turned on him as well. He gets booed as well. So he, like you said, he hangs out by himself. He doesn't like interfe- interfere with the players and stuff like that. So yeah. I think they will spend good money and they will improve the team. And they've already bought Eda Militao, the Brazilian youngster, 21 years old, from Porto. Yeah. From Porto quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's yeah. apparently he's won six uh, player of the month for his team in a row, six months in a row so far. So he's very good uh, Brazilian player. Um, and I've seen some scouts from Portugal saying that he's probably the best centre back to have played in Portugal for the last couple of years. And a lot of them were rating him higher than Lindelof and Luis when they were first broke through and stuff like that. So he's very good, apparently. Yeah. So I think um, they will spend money to improve their chances of like challenging for the title and for, for the Champions League again. That's amazing. Najib, uh, what do you think of uh, Real Madrid's future? Uh, Real Madrid are doing well, man. And historically, Real Madrid are that team actually that goes through a transition, whether it's through managers, through players, and then they come out of it through the other end of it and they're actually very successful we have a late addition to the episode today mohammed dutch is here to discuss the rest of the episode um welcome it's uh najib and hosh and me all welcome right to show man yeah man chilling what do you say what's the topic uh right now we are at real madrid we're talking about the future of real madrid uh, what they're trying to do in the transfer market and for the remainder of the season and next season what do you think uh, what do you think is the uh, direction they're taking real madrid yes i think in the summer they need to get three players also, who are these three players also then because ronaldo has gone they need to spread the 50 goals so before in midfield they could afford to have modric cross who don't score a lot because Ronaldo takes the goal-scoring burden. 
But now they need to get a goal-scoring midfielder, a guy that who can grab at least 10-15 goals, which is Christian Eriksen. And then up top, they need to get either Neymar or Mbappe, a guy who can contribute 30-40 goals. And then they need to get a number nine as well, which is Icardi, who will get them another 20 goals or 30 goals. And then get Hazard for that creativity on the side. He will supply them with like 20 assists. And and that way, they will all share the goal-scoring burden and the assists that Ronaldo has left, the void that is left in the team. All right. So, Najib, uh, you were saying about Hazard. Continue, brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, Hazard is as good as gone, the way I see you right now. Um, he's does, he's sitting on a contract there. He doesn't want to sign a ch- contract at Chelsea. His head is already turned. He's came out in the summer, clearly said I want to leave. So it's clear as day he's going to leave. It's just a matter of how much money that the club get for him. Right now, Zidane coming back doesn't help the picture. It's clear as day he's gone. As far as I'm concerned, like as a Chelsea fan, he's gone. And everybody else that thinks he's going to sign, for me, this I think there's an element of him wanting to stay, like me wanting him to stay. But we got to be realistic sometime. You know, the guy wants to leave. I think he's leaving on a good note, the way I see it. It's kind of funny because there's a story. You guys won't believe this. I actually, I've, I've actually met Eden Hazard one of one, and I've spoken to him. Okay, okay. and I've, I asked him. This was recent this year, just this year, the beginning, the first international break. Yeah. And I asked him, and I said, "What's going on, man? Are you gonna sign or are you gonna stay on?" And he just looked at me, and I, and and I say to him, "Listen, if you stay, yeah, it's all well and good. But if you go, we'll understand because the realistic." thing of is like you've done well at Chelsea and we'll forever be grateful for that right now if you want to leave it's good to understand he didn't say a word he looked at me smiled and he had a little boy in his hand and he walked and he just went oh, away what? true story wallahi I'm not lying to you <laughs> what I do yeah yes you know you, you know you don't have much of an option what if you don't sell him this summer next summer he lives on a free no, so either, know... way, either way your hands are forced if he doesn't oh, no, it's, he's gonna it's... he's gonna go to January Last yeah. six months, he can talk to anyone he wants without the I club. I, I think, I think that he's actually carried himself, conducted himself very well, like with the club and us, with the fans, yeah? Like, he deserves an option. If Ed, Ed Nazar comes out tomorrow and says, guys, I'm leaving, on a good note, some of us will be a bit, like, peeved about it. But realistically, what he's done for this club and how he's conducted himself, he deserves a chance. Because right now, Chelsea are nowhere near winning a Champions League. And it's only fair on him to actually get to that next level and go do his thing. So I'm not going to begrudge and like hold the guy down and say, nah, you got to stay with us and, you know, terrorize United when you can and, you know, <laughs> you know, do your thing here and there. It's, it's not fair on the guy. But realistically, the guy has to move on. He wants to move on on a good note. He's pretty much won everything at the club. When I say win everything, I mean like he's almost individually like won yeah. everything for the club. All those league titles we won. It's because of him. Last season, the FA Cup we won. It's because of him. And this season, if we win the Europa, Mark, you, it's going to just be because of him again. So we can really hold back. Yeah. Honestly, so me, I, I, yeah. Don't think, I don't think he will uh, suit Real Madrid. Not because of his ability. His ability is undoubted. Real Madrid, you need to be a special type of person to handle the pressure. You know what? And it, that comes with it. I, I kind of agreed with you guys initially. Even me, I used to hate him initially when, when Costa left. Costa used to take all that burden of, you know, the bad guy in the team and whatnot. And everybody was so focused on him. And these guys used to just do their thing on the side. But then again, I've actually slowly started following Eddie Hazard and like looking into him and what he's saying. I used to call him a budget boy. But now I've actually yeah. changed my stance on him. I've st- I've changed it. This guy, his mental ability, like he doesn't have a block. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't listen to the hype or anything like that. I guarantee you, you're thinking he's too fickle to be at Madrid. And, you know, the player or the powers that be can get to him, the politics of the place. I doubt it because I've looked at the guy and I'm thinking this guy, he's, he's, he's like his mental state is amazing. Honestly, it's amazing. You see how he jokes, his funny persona and whatnot behind the scenes. This guy knows what he's doing and he clearly he's got a cultivated part to do what he does, how he does it. So I think he'll be all right at Madrid, man. I think he'll be all right, honestly. Honest, honestly, I don't agree because I remember in 2015-16, yeah. when, uh, was it two, yeah, 2015-16, the year Chelsea finished 10th. Yeah. And then everyone was putting the onus and the blame on him for not trying on purpose so that he can get Mourinho sacked. 
And I remember he couldn't handle the abuse that came his way from Chelsea fans throughout that year, which affected his play on the field and which yielded one goal as well throughout that whole season. Um, and in Madrid, Madrid, Madrid yeah. is that times 10 every game for 38 games for the season. They don't I, care if you perform consistently for 20 games. If you play one bad game, these guys, they will abuse you, boo you. Come to your car, abuse you. Look what happened to Bill last week. They came to I his know. car, literally. The fans came to his car. They physically abused him, verbally abused him, cussed him in Spanish, kicked him out as he was leaving the stadium. I don't yeah. think Hazard can handle that type of abuse. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I don't even think he'll get to that level. But I understand, like, you know, fans are a bit fickle over there. Like you say, they're not wait for you for one game. They can turn on you on the next game. But I, I honestly believe Eden Hazard can handle that easy. That season, like you say, the, see, the ghosting season, as we call it, in RFF. Yeah. This guy was playing through injuries constantly. He's actually, there's an interview this morning. He's speaking to one of the guys in ASPN and he actually talks about that season. He doesn't go into into detail, but he just touches on it. A few things here and there. And he talks about his injuries and how he wasn't well. And he had pain all over his body from his hips. Couldn't perform, couldn't play on his... He was playing all those games. He had the minutes on the pitch, but he just didn't have... He wasn't 100% in them games. You can see, like, something wasn't right. Towards the end of the season, he was trying to come good. But, like you said, man, for me, I think he'll be all right. Madrid is a cold run. We know that, yeah? And that's furnace and everything getting... On come yeah. to you hundred degree burns and whatnot. But having said that, I think he'll he'll be alright at Madrid, man. But having said that, yeah, there's a small part of me that believes, yeah, he'll still just stay at Chelsea, sign the, the contract. If Madrid don't go all out for him, because I think Chelsea would demand in excess of 150 from what I'm reading. So and I think Madrid will look at that. If the budget is 300 mil, come on, 150 on Hazard by himself is not on, especially on his last year. On his contract, yeah. so the club will not force his hand. I don't think he's the type of guy to force the club's hand. And another thing, you guys do know Eden Hazard doesn't have an agent, right? He actually does his own thing. He actually just yeah. sits at home, reads the contract, comes yeah. in and just signs it, no entourage, nothing. So you can see, like you know, how these guys' mentality actually itself is a whole different ball game when it comes to other players. Let the agents handle all this kind of shit for them, whether it's through like coerced or backhanders and whatnot. This guy doesn't do any of that. He just comes in, signs and just goes on. So I'm thinking mental-wise, I used to think he was a budget boy, but you know what? I take it back, man. This guy can yeah. do his thing, honestly. That's true, but yeah. his mentality is one thing that I'm concerned about. Two, yeah. if they don't get a guy like Neymar or Mbappe, who's known for their goal scoring, who can get 20, 30 goals a season, Hazard, if he goes there, he will have to increase his goal-scoring output. And he's not yeah. a natural goal-scorer, something he hasn't shown within the last 10 years. And I doubt he can do it at the age of 29 if he hasn't done it before. Because that, mean, that means naturally he will have to change his whole style of play. And at Madrid, he's going to have to score at least 30 goals from the wing if they don't yeah. get a number nine on top of that. Yeah. Oh, no. Honestly, yeah. this morning, that interview actually said, even the interview asks him, do you enjoy scoring goals or creating goals? And the guy say, you get more from actually creating goals. So he actually believes in his ability. And he actually goes on to talk about Zidane. And he says, oh, Zidane just was a maestro. He wasn't scoring goals. He's trying to actually say, I'm a Zidane type of player because look at me, I don't score goals, but I actually do this and do that. So I think, like you said, man, Madrid need to find a goal scorer. Eden Hazard is not a goal scorer. And True. it's kind of... It's too late for him to kind of adjust his game, like you say, to be a goal scorer. Because playing even a nine up front over there is not going to work because players are very technical there. It's not like the Premier League where you can turn players and just put them on sixpence and just you're gone. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't work like that. So I think they need to sign players to complement Hazard. But Hazard is a marquee signing for them. So there's a bigger picture here. Like Hazard is a marquee signing. Yeah. Whether the goals come or don't come, that's just another issue for the manager or on the field issues but I'm thinking for them to go out and sign Hazard actually to Madrid fans it appeases the fans it takes the heat of the of the president right now and actually they're actually signing a very good player given what they have right now over there yeah. so there's, that's one side to look at it on it as well alright guys let's move on to the UEFA Champions League draw the quarterfinals the biggest tie what do you guys think? Manchester United, Barcelona, or Tottenham, Man City? 
Um, I think it's surprisingly. I think to be fair, you know what? The quarterfinals. I think uh, there's no big tie. To be fair, yeah. They purposely separated Ronaldo and Messi to give them the best chance of getting a Ronaldo Messi final. Yeah, so you're saying it's fixed. No, it's not fixed. Yeah. For example, today I was thinking about it. if Real Madrid went through, that would have meant Ronaldo was going back to his old team. If PSG went through, it would have been PSG Barcelona. PSG could have had revenge from two years ago. Those yeah. would have been bigger storylines. But look at Man City Tottenham. We know Man City is going through. Liverpool Porto. We know Liverpool is going through. Barcelona Manchester United. Barcelona is going through. And yeah. then Juventus, Ajax, Juventus is going through. Juventus is going to turn the game into a tactical game, which Ajax can't deal with. I remember yeah. how United dealt with them two years ago when it was a defensive game in the Europa League final. Ajax couldn't handle with that. So we know, yeah. I think the semi-final is more unpredictable. Once you get to the semis, you get City, Juventus, it... Liverpool, Barcelona. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, I, honestly, I think from the semi-finals, I honestly believe City is going to win it this year. I told you on the first podcast, I think yeah. this year the team is going to win. It was never won it before. Never won it I, before. And I honestly believe this is Pep's ch- biggest chance to win it this year. Without he Messi. It, yeah, without Messi. If he doesn't yeah. win it this year, he's never going to get another chance to win it. Yeah. Harsha, what do you think, bro? I feel like uh, Dutch was saying the Ajax there they got like we tactically the way we set up was to like we targeted the, the DMs where we put Fellaini there and then we played a different kind of game we adapted to them but I feel like because they got De Jong and he signed to Barcelona recently he's a very very good player and a lot of people are saying that he might become the next Cruyff so you know you never know but with him is uh, they're a better team now. They've got Tadic there, who's a goal scorer as well. And they've got ZH. They've got different kind of players. Some of the players from that final are still there. But the team is different. They've got Daley Blind now as well, who's more experienced at centre-back. So I think it's going to be a, a better game compared to that final, obviously. They are going to compete against Juventus. But over two legs, I think Juventus have a lot of quality to go through. And Ronaldo, you know you know that guy. Like top, top centre-backs like Homos, Boateng, Godin, Jimenez. These guys haven't stopped this guy over the years in the Champions League. So I don't think yeah. a little kid or Delict will stop him. So I think they will go through. And Barcelona, United, Barcelona, definitely. Um, I think I give Tottenham a good chance, honestly. I don't think it's one-sided. Yeah. I think Tottenham have a good chance to go through. Yeah. I wouldn't Tottenham's be record against Man City is uh, kind of uh, horrible, which yeah, also gives yeah. Man City the upper hand. But it's a different ball game now. I think it's different. Uh, ball game in Europe mm. is different compared to the Premier League. So I feel like Tottenham, the way they play, them and and um, Liverpool are more suited to Europe the way they play. So I feel like Tottenham might do well in that yeah. game over the two legs. And City haven't got history in the Champions League, so that might help Tottenham. So I feel feel like they have a good chance. And the other tie, Barcelona, Juventus, Tottenham or City. I think I give Tottenham a good shout. Yeah, and Liverpool definitely go through. It's going to be like oh, probably 8-0 to over two legs. <laughs> All right. Uh, the semi-final is going to be Man U Barca or Liverpool Porto uh, or Spurs City, Ajax Juve. So as Dutch said, uh, it looks like uh, Man City have the easier run in. Run like Juve might be a problem in the semi-final. Do you guys think... Uh, Ronaldo might win it with uh, Juve again, with the third team he's done it with. If Ronaldo wins it with Juve, that will be the third team he's done it with. That will be the yeah. fourth time in a row he won it. That will yeah. be six overall. I think the debate will be over for the time being after that. Messi, I agree. Messi. won it six times. I don't think no one has. No, no one, one has, has ever won it six times. This guy will be chilling with Michael Jordan at the top of the mountain. Mount Olympus. <laughs> yeah. He'll be looking down at other Brady. people like Messi. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the time being, I think the debate will be over. Messi will have to do a lot of catching up. But that's why I want the Ronaldo-Messi final. There's yeah. a lot at stake for both. Ronaldo can end the debate. Messi can reopen the Champions League debate if he beats him in the final. As the greatest yeah. Champions League player of all time. In terms of favorites, uh, Barca- where does Barcelona rank? For the rest of the season, like the Champions League, do you think they they can be favorites for 
for the for the Champions League? Second favorite. Anytime you have Messi, I'll put you second. Second or first? I'll put you second favorite because the way Ronaldo has performed in the last four or five years in the Champions League, I think he deserves that respect where he deserves to be the favorite for the whole competition, whatever team he's with. I'll put Messi second. Yeah, this I'll might be like, uh, Messi's year, man. Yeah, I feel like Barcelona got to win the Champions League, honestly speaking. Yeah, Najib, who, who do you got? Uh, I'll put Barca's favorites as well. Because I'm thinking they got the experience, they have a player in Messi to actually, he's going after it right now. Whatever people say, like, oh, he congratulated Ronaldo. No, he's looking at it like this guy said, it's a wrap. If my man takes takes the sixth, I'm I'm done. I'm gone. I'm done for it. Right now, the only man that can stop him is just him. And I'm thinking, realistically, people saying, oh, they want to separate them so they can play in the final. Messi wants to play Real Madrid tomorrow if he can. That's the reality of it. Yeah. So... It's not happening, obviously. The draw, they've been separated, so they'll have to wait to get to the final to play each other again. But yeah. right now, you guys say City are, are, are going through at the expense of Tottenham. I don't even see you that way. I'm thinking Tottenham can turn them over, honestly. Um, yeah. City are a whole different proposition in Champions League. Like When you look at it, convincingly, they've beat Schalke. Who, what team have they come up against this season? That's a strong team that you can say, okay, they've actually played well. In the group stages, Leon turned them over. Leon in turn them, yeah. You know, um, and, and I look at it, who else was in the group stages with them? I don't even remember clearly because it wasn't that much out of a standoff game. I understand they got the squad, they got the personnel, but in Europe, they'll yeah. struggle. This is the reality of it. So I'm thinking Tottenham might give them a close game. Dele Ali and yeah. Harry Kane come back on. You yeah. never know. So the way and, uh, I see it, I think it's, an, it's not a foregone conclusion in yeah. respect to City and Tottenham. Yeah. And they have uh, the title race going on as well, uh, while the quarterfinal is uh, going on as well. So that might play a, a big uh, factor. Yeah, when, when you're fighting a battle on the four fronts like City are doing mm-hmm. right now, actually, let's say three fronts, because they've actually tucked in the Culling Cup, it's gone. So... Three fronts right now, they're battling, and Liverpool is up there on their shoulder, and they keep looking over. That kind of affects you in one way or the other. Champion League games in the semi-finals actually are two close games because I remember when you guys lost the title at Anfield during Denver Bar days. Yeah. We were we were due to play a Champion League semi-final second leg in Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Okay, and that kind of affects. So Mourinho was trying to like play that mind game of dropping players so he can have fresh players back on Tuesday to play a Champions League semi final. And I think the same situation is going to happen in that within a space of eleven days. I think Spurs and City play each other three times, and yeah. I don't think those are going to be very close games. So as far as anything goes, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. So I'm thinking you never know. Spurs might surprise people. They went to the new camp and beat Barcelona this season. You know, the yeah. way they turned no, over, one, one. The way they turned over, they drew on it. The way they yeah. turned over Dortmund, nobody gave them a head. chance to do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, but the new camp, that was the B team after Barcelona already qualified. Come on, yeah. man, you can't count. No, no, I'm, no, no, I'm saying Spurs, go on. How do you guys have confidence in Spurs? You know, every time the pressure is on, people expect them to do well. That's when Spurs are actually bottling. In the most no, opportune I, time. I, I understand, but I'm saying this is a Champions League and historically, yeah, Champions League Spurs have always performed well in every season they've been. Look look at them like... Not really. Not really. Apart from 2011, every other season after that, they've qualified. Some of the, some of the seasons, they didn't even get past the group stage. Last season, they were up against Juventus, I think, until the last 15 minutes when... Uh, Allegri made tactical changes and then he spun the whole tie on his head and then uh, Chiellini came out afterwards and he goes, that's, that's Tottenham for you. They were confident they were going through even though Spurs had the upper hand. And for me, I think because City is playing uh, Tottenham, there is that familiar, familiarity of playing a Premier League opposition. So it's going to make it like a Premier League tie instead of a Champions League tie. And they're playing at home as well. They're playing yeah. against Spurs in their new stadium and they're playing at home as well. I would agree with you. History and then the Champions League as well being different if they played Barca, Juventus. Because they play familiar opposition in Tottenham, which they already beat. And it's a Premier League tie and it's an English team. I don't think it's going to affect City too much. 
Yeah, so like, Tottenham have yeah Tottenham have uh, Liverpool. They have three games against Manchester City, so it's gonna be like a tough month for them, for their squad as well. So we'll wait and see how that goes. Uh, okay. In terms of Liverpool, however, what do you guys think of their chances to win the Champions League? Is there I'll, any I'll chance? Let Hosh, I'll let Hosh go on this. <laughs> Liverpool, this I think the, the, the way they play and in Europe, like they play with bravery. They're not scared of any team. They went to Allianz Arena and outplayed Bayern. I know it's the worst Bayern team in the last four to five seasons. But I feel like Liverpool are not scared of any opposition. And the way they play in Europe, like with bravery and they press the opposition and they go for it in any stadium. I think the way they play in the Champions League suits them and I think that gives them a very, very good chance of winning the Champions League. But I'm hoping they got knocked out in some final somehow because I know I know Porto are not going to do anything anyway. Um, they're going to end Casillas' dream once again. But I feel like in the semi-final, when they get Juventus and Ronaldo once again, you know what he does to, to Liverpool every season. So I, I think they'll get knocked out there where Ronaldo no. will go to the final. No, semi-final is uh, Man U, Barca, Liverpool, Porto. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, true, true, yeah. true. So, so yeah, you got Messi in the uh, semi-final and then, yeah, R- yeah. Ronaldo on the side. The final, so I yeah. feel like, yeah, Messi, Liverpool, they got a good chance against Barcelona. I think Barcelona defensively, they're not that great. Uh, the right back, Alba is very attacking. So I, f- I feel like um, Barcelona, you have to give them the upper hand. I th- and, I, and I think they're favourites to win the Champions League. And Liverpool, their dreams are going to hopefully end in the semi-final. Yeah. Let's hope your streak of bad uh, predictions go the same <laughs> way. <yo. laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move on to the Europa League. We have uh, big ties. Uh, Arsenal, Napoli, Villarreal, Valencia in the quarterfinal. Benfica and Eintracht Frankfurt. Easiest tie for Chelsea. They got Slavia Prague. So, guys, Arsenal or Chelsea, who, who will win the Europa League, man? Or who else? I think it's going to be um, Napoli and Chelsea final and Napoli Chelsea final. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you have to say about this, man? What is the chance? What are, what are, what are your team's chances? My team chances are looking very good right now. Slavia Plague will slap them. I'm just confident on that. Europa League, I think, we're too big of a team to actually kind of like like succumb to them. And then moving forward, I tried Frankfurt are not an easy team. They've actually taken out Inter and Inter are not are not an easy proposition. I was worried about Inter and Sevilla. I'm glad they're out because they're full of technical players, experience yeah. and whatnot. So I'm glad they're out. I think if Arsenal navigate and they come through away from like they beat Napoli and they come through actually Already Arsenal already in the final. For us, I think we still have to navigate. Eintracht Frankfurt, very decent team, very young forward who's scoring goals for fun. I think Jovic is his name or something like that. I was looking yeah. up, we were actually linked with him and everything. So yeah. I'm thinking it's not a foregone conclusion right now. We might get past Slavia Plague, but then again, going forward, if we are lucky to beat Eintracht Frankfurt, if they come through in the other More tie, obviously. Yeah, yeah not so much worried about Benfica to be honest. I yeah. Frankfurt is for me a worry because I can see how they play and I watched them play against Inter the other day, and I was like, yeah. okay, they are proper proper like team. So honestly, it could be the best final ever if we play Arsenal because you already know. Be... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd be a hazard, final, yeah. ha- a hazard farewell, isn't it? You already know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but then again. It's football, man. Nothing is, you know, everything on paper. Nothing is black yeah. and white when it comes to football. So we'll see if we get. If hopefully, I think we'll win. The, the way I see, it, we'll win. Every time we've entered this tournament, we've won it. So yeah. I think we're gonna win it this season as well. But if we are lucky, that is, man. I just yeah. we just need a few things to go away. Yeah, Arsenal and Napoli. That's a really good tie. Um. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti is here to win it, uh, of course. Uh, will Arsenal take advantage of their home uh, home form? Because they're really bad away from home. Uh, what do you guys think of Arsenal's chances for sure? Uh, are they going to go on and face either, either one of Villarreal and Valencia? Or is Napoli going to be the end of the road for them? Uh, I think okay. Napoli, the, the yeah. way they play, and yeah. with... Technical players they have, I think they have a good chance against 
um, Arsenal. And obviously, Napoli, over the years, they've actually bottled a few like ties like that where they've won the first leg and they've actually yeah. not gone through in the Champions League and the Europa League in the second leg. So, mentally, I don't think they, they have the mentally strong players, but I feel like they will give Arsenal a good game. And Arsenal, at home, they're very strong. They've got one of the best records in Europe at home. So even if they lose the first leg three one or two one, they can easily overturn that at Emirates. Yeah. So it's gonna be an interesting tie. I think any team, any of them could go through. Is I think is a flip of a coin. Yeah, and to be honest, Carlo Ancelotti is the most successful manager remaining in uh, the Europa League, and he knows how to win a, a European Cup or two. So yeah. I feel like Napoli is the favorites, in my opinion. And he's won three Champions Leagues as well, so he's yeah. actually very yeah. successful. Yeah, yeah. I think Napoli have a great chance. Yeah, I think 100. And like Najib said, Frankfurt are dangerous because the yeah. front three they have, um, they go Jovic, that little that kid that comes came through the season. He he even scored five goals in one game a couple of months ago in the in yeah. the Bundesliga. Uh, Jovic, um, Hala, that's the other guy, and there's Rebic, the one that played for um, Croatia in the World Cup. Yeah, wing. Yeah, that guy. So them three as a front three, I think they're the best. Um, they're the second best front three in the Bundesliga, the whole Bundesliga after the Dortmund three. So they're very dangerous and they, they play very good football. So yeah. they are like underdog, they're like dark horses. Like remember when Dinipro went to the final as well a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. And nobody expected them to. So they are underdogs, I think. They are the underdogs. Yeah. All right. So from the two tournaments, the Champions League and the Europa League, we're finally seeing a break from the domination of the Spanish League. Do you guys think this is the chance for the English league to take over the Premier League? Yes, English Premier League is coming back. You know, the only reason the, the Spanish teams dominated the last 10 years was only because of Messi and Ronaldo. If you check the last 10 years, the Champions League is between them. Yes. Messi and Ronaldo got seven between them. Ronaldo got four. Messi got seven. And you know, anytime you have a team facing Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Messi, Kujira, it's just yeah. not fair, man. Look at Juventus. They went to the final last two times. Who beat the Ronaldo it was one Messi. time it was Messi, one time it was Ronaldo. Take yeah. Ronaldo, take Ronaldo away. You've seen what happened to Real Madrid this season. Last 16, a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Take, Messi, take Messi away, the same will happen. Yeah, English teams will dominate again. And, the, and there is an uneven balance when it comes to the financial money the English teams have as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah English teams will dominate again. Liverpool started it last season. They went to the final. Europa League... Um, Arsenal went to the semis last season. Chelsea's probably going to win the Europa League this season if Arsenal go out to Napoli. One English team is guaranteed to go to the final. Liverpool went to the final last season. So, yeah, English teams will dominate again. Europe. Over, over the years, I've, I've always maintained EPL is the best league in the world, okay? Not for yeah. any other reason. It's given the, the quality of the, or the football that's actually played in the league. I understand we don't have technical players and we don't have the world two best players or anything like that. But, take anything away from like all those other leagues and bring them over here and you will see how good the EPL is. We have the best managers in the EPL, okay? All the top three, top four, top five best managers in the world actually in the league and they'll just have to like pass whatever they have over the tactical, uh, the astuteness, everything gets passed on and we're actually lucky to have it over here. We have the most money in the league, okay? That's what we, we have we can splash away just left, right and centre and bring all these good players here and I think English teams used to dominate back then a while back but I think it's a recurring theme now and this is just it's just common man you'll, you'll have teams dominate in, in Spain and then you'll have the German the Italian teams used to dominate back in the 90s and whatnot early 20s early 2000s I mean yeah. they used to dominate and everything and then slowly came back the Germans and then and you know we're back with the English now. It's just this is just a common cycle that goes around the place. The harsh, yeah. uh, we didn't hear you from you. Yeah, that's that's the, one of the issues that um, PSG have in the in their league because they the league is very poor, the quality, and some of the players that Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe face every week they score like three four goals each, and then they come in the the, the Champions League last sixteen last eight they struggle because you're playing against high quality players, so you can't really like deliver that kind of performance again because you're not up to speed. So I feel like like the Bundesliga, like um, Dutch said, the cause is declining now, is not as good as before. And Bayern apparently they have a plan of buying the best players. That's what what they're trying to do. Even PSG are trying to do that as well and get Lyon's best players, the other team's best players, all the other smaller teams. 
and just try and stock up that so they can focus. They don't need to focus on the league as much, so they can go all out in the Champions League and uh, buy and trying to get in Timo Werner um, this year or next year. They're trying to get him in from yeah. um, in RB Leipzig, so that's what they're trying to do. And obviously, I think that the English teams are doing great. Um, like I said, um, the last ten seasons, seven of them have been Ronaldo, Messi. The other three is Chelsea, Inter, and Bayern. So you could see the dominance coming from them too. They've been making a difference every season. So I feel, I feel like English team. I think Europa League is going to be English team 100 percent going to win it, and the Champions League final we could possibly see one English team in there. So I yeah. think we're doing great now, and I think we should keep this up for the next few years. And yeah, will be a takeover. Guys, this is the end of the show. Thanks for being on the show today. Najib, great insights. Harsh, as always, bro. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you guys will come on the show again soon. Yeah, definitely, bro. It was it was nice, man. It was good. A lot of good discussions, a lot of debates, a lot of analysis. It was great, man. It was fun, good fun. Nice, man. Appreciate that. Uh, Najib, thanks for being on the show, man. Hi, Faisal. And thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it, man. It's all good.